to a non-believer. I would explain God as the creator, a heavenly father of someone that wants to be in relationship with you. Just um, as somebody that's for you, as a friend. Okay, so here's the big question. Are there many paths to get to the one God? Well, I believe, Oprah, that there, I believe that Jesus is the way to the one God. But I believe there are many paths to Jesus. You know, you don't know how Jesus would reveal himself to somebody. So I'm not into excluding people. Jesus can reveal himself to anybody. Does that mean that all people, all races, obviously, in your, your, your church, we see all people, all races. I can't imagine that you would have 16,000 people in there and none of them would be gay. So are gay people also included? Absolutely. Anybody is. You know, you know Oprah, we sometimes make a... I say we, maybe the Christian community makes a bigger deal out of gay, out of being gay, but... Will a gay person be accepted into heaven as you see it? Well, I believe they will, mm -hmm. because I believe that, um, you know, if we... You have to have forgiveness for your sins, but, you know, sometimes we look at gay being, you know, a bigger sin than being proud or being, you know, not telling the truth. I don't think God categorizes sins. I think we're all changing, and, you know, I'd love to think that we're all going to be without one sin i hope that's true but i don't think i don't think any of us would make it to heaven now i would encourage people to be willing to to change and grow and if, you know if you've got a problem with your temper let's let's keep growing and but i think that it's going to be open for all of us or we wouldn't have a chance but does that mean that you're saying i just because i want to be clear and i don't want to, to interpret anything that isn't does that mean that you're saying that you believe that being gay would is a sin i believe that being i believe that homosexuality is shown as a sin in the scripture i do I do. That's just that's just the way. I mean, my, you know, Oprah. It's a hard thing in a sense because I'm not. I'm for everybody. I'm not against anybody. I don't think anybody's second class. But when I read the scripture, I just with good faith, I can't see that it it doesn't show that that's not that that being a sin. That it is a sin. Do you believe that only Christians can be in relationship with God? No, I believe that when Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life," in the way I read that, Jesus said He is the he's the road marker he's the map so i think god loves people so much that whether they accept or reject him he's still gracious and he's still moving and he's still giving you massive red blinking lights for mm -hmm. chances to take a, a right turn where maybe you would take a left but I, I believe god loves people and that's what this whole gospel is based on it's love you take the love out of it we've got a moral book do you believe that only christians can be in relationship with god no. This response by Carl Lentz is absolutely disgusting. The scripture tells us that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was crucified, he fell to his knees and he began to sweat drops of blood. And he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. If it's possible to save humanity any other way than the cross of Jesus Christ, then let this cup pass from me. Never well, God bless you. Well, once again, I give you two, uh, two of Oprah's. Uh, and the reason the, the, now you must understand, <laughs> this is Elias first uh, talking to you from Prophetic Whispers again. But I'm giving you what the mainstream media, which is again Oprah. If you, I guess, if you make it on Oprah, you are you are the king of the hill as far as uh, superstar preachers. But when you get there, do you have a handle on the message? And do they want people to have a handle on the message? And uh, it looks like uh, Carl Lentz, uh, the, the Hillsong pastor from, 
from uh, New York doesn't have a handle on the message and it obviously you know for a fact that Joel Olstein does not have a handle on the salvation message this idea that Jesus is inclusive inclusive except everybody regardless of who you are how you come all these other conditions um, under your condition the way you feel the way you think um, is uh, is absolutely unbiblical and it's not the right way to approach the Bible the exclusivity of Jesus Jesus excluding excluding um, ways to come to him excluding ways to come to the Father excluding ways to read the Bible excluding ways to live excluding ways to do things in other words having standards okay having standards um, uh, you know you don't find any of this in any of their approaches this is the what we would call mainstream Christianity or paganism okay plurality and paganism pluralistic gods pluralistic ways to do things which again doesn't flow with the exclusivity of Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is the way the truth the light he's not a way he's not a truth he is the truth and the way and so this is um, gonna open up our discussion today and I'm gonna be talking to you about the exclusivity of Jesus Christ did you hear how scrambled those messages were and then what is the first thing that um, they uh, they hit Joel Olstein with was homosexuality about being gay because that is a big thing Okay, that is a big thing, and we're going to talk about the exclusivity of Jesus Christ and how the culture wears you down into accepting their their what we would call pagan belief systems. Okay, pagan belief systems um, that you don't learn from the Gospels, you don't learn from God, you don't learn from the Word of God. Okay, you see how they want to be culturally correct so they won't get canceled. Okay, that's is very important for you to understand. Paul in the book of in the book of Romans writes this in verse uh, 16 and 17 for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes catch catch the exclusivity everyone who believes okay it means that those that don't believe you don't get in you can't believe your own way watch this for the Jew first and also the Greek for it is for in this the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we see that justification by faith, or those that are just, live by faith. You can't live any other way. The element of your relationship to Christ is faith in Christ Jesus and Him alone. We say this in theology, fide, faith, um, sola, alone. Okay, scripture, scripta, or scripture, sola, alone. So only faith and only scripture. Scripture produces the faith in which we believe. So we must wrap our minds and wrap our hearts around the message of Jesus Christ. What does he really say? Is Jesus Christ exclusive? Okay, in other words, uh, there's many ways to Jesus, many ways to the Father. There's many ways you can do whatever you want. You know, it, it's even crept into these Bible studies. And I remember, I remember growing up, 
um, uh, going to Bible studies and, and uh, certain of the teachers started to say this because, you know, it, it's what we, we would call Bible for dummies, you know, where, we, where, where they read the Bible and uh, then they ask the question, what does that mean to you? Who cares what it means to you? It doesn't matter. All of a sudden, now you make the Word of God subject to you. It's no longer exclusive to what He's saying. Now it's, it's inclusive to how you feel about it, how you believe about it, what you think about it. It's not, it, it no longer goes uh, central to who Jesus is. Now it goes to how you feel about it, how you think about it. What does it mean to you? No, what is it saying? And what it says should be shaping and developing how I feel and how I see. Not how I see and how I feel develop what it's saying to me. Okay, that's, that, that's, Two different aspects. So we're looking at the exclusivity of Jesus because without exclusivity of Jesus, okay, Jesus being exclusive, then um, he's just like every other God. Okay, Jesus is just like like Muhammad, just like just like um, Confucius, just like Mo, um, like the Islams, and just like all the other religions that they got out there, Hare Krishna, and all all the other ones out there. If Jesus is not exclusive. Okay, what does exclusivity mean? Okay, because again, we have all this, we have all these preachers. Well, the Jesus, really, the message really is not exclusive. I'm for everybody. You know, that, that's, that's the inclusive message. We want everybody. That's, we want crowds. We don't want disciples. Okay, we want, we, want, we want people hearing us. We don't want people really believing the right things. That is what we would call inclusiveness. Okay, inclusiveness. When you call, cower to the culture, you become ex inclusive. You allow everybody in to do whatever they want, to say whatever they want to say, to live the, any way they want to. But Christianity is not that way. We're going we're gonna to be looking at this in Scripture. Okay, um, if you uh, listen to Carl Lentz in his opening dialogue, well, if you take love out, then it's just a moral book. No, it's a moral book because it is love. Love is moral. Love is moral. Without love, without morality, love is flimsy. Okay, without laws and rules, love is, is gooey. Love, love, love becomes permissible to everything. But love, don't forget, love is so strong and so moral, it casts out all fear. So don't go, don't believe this love is all, you know, goobly goo. No, no. The love of God is filled with the morality of God. It's filled with the moral standards of the Word of God. Okay? So let's get that right out front. Okay, the exclusivity. What does exclusivity mean? And this is what it comes when it talks about faith. Okay, the practice of excluding or not admitting other things. In other words, only Jesus. I want to get that to you. Only Jesus. Okay, the banks maintain these banks maintain exclusivity by setting minimal standards of entry. In other words, when Jesus says, No man comes to the Father but by me, that the standard is Him. He is the standard. He is the one that introduced you to the Father. Okay, when you hear Paul write in uh, Corinthians where he says, No one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Spirit. That's the standard. That is the standard. Okay, there are standards that if you don't, that if you don't say Jesus is Lord, the Spirit of God has not prompted and worked in your heart yet. Not everybody can say Jesus is Lord from the product of 
faith, which is your standard. Okay, so the for, so the exclusivity rule is in place. Why is exclusivity in, in uh, important to, to lock in place? Number one, because if something else is equal to it, then exclusivity doesn't really exist. Okay, so if there's two gods, then guess what? Uh, exclusivity doesn't exist because you can choose from the two. Okay, the inability to exist or to be true if something else exists or is true. So Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. In, in John chapter 14, what was he doing? He was establishing exclusivity. Okay, how Jesus set the standards. Okay, so when you start listening to the gospel, you are listening to a, a word that is exclusive. Okay, now how how did we get into some of the messes that we are in? Well, we got into the messes messages messes that we are in as a church. What do I mean by that? Some of the things that are permitted: the divorce, the remarriage, the the um, the drugs, the alcohol, the you can go down the list of more more homosexualities in the ministry, homosexuality in the ministry, the, the 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 worship, you know, all this crazy lifestyles in worship, all these things that are going that 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 are that are, are prevalent in the in the Western Church today. It comes from the doctrine of mercy alone, not scripture alone, not faith alone, but mercy alone. What? Why? Why, why is that important uh, for you to understand as a Christian? It's because mercy alone is not, is, is not receiving what you deserve, okay? Which means that you live a Christian walk without consequences and without standards. You get rid of the exclusivity and you allow everything to go because mercy, okay? Mercy. You preach constant mercy, okay? And mercy is the permissible. You know, allow this because, you know, you don't want to be mean. The, you know, the rules of God are mean. The rules of God, you know, God wouldn't do that. We have this, this is one of the subtle ways where um, uh, the perversions of homosexuality have dug into the church. Listen to this, okay? Okay? Jewish author Dr. J. Michelson has has taught at both Boston University Law School and Harvard Divinity School. Now, I'm reading all this because, you know, you're supposed to go, ooh, you know, um, Harvard, ooh, law. In other words, there's really smart people, okay? See, so one of the tricks of, of the enemy is to get really smart people to say really dumb things, okay? And then they put them in books, and then they teach them, and they keep repeating them until they become true in the students that they have to pass. Watch this. Watch what he says. He says, um... Uh, uh, the Harvard School of Divinity echoes the position of Justin Lee in his important book, God versus Gay. The religious case for equality, the religious case for equality, not exclusivity, but equality. There's all that all the gods are equal, that everything is equal. That listen, this is subtle, but this is how it gets into the church. Watch this. After adapting biblical language from Genesis chapter 2 to argue that. It is not good for a person to be alone. It's, and, uh, it's not good for man to be alone. Watch. Here comes the twist because they want to get rid of exclusivity. Why? Because exclusivity is mean. Watch this. After adapting biblical language to, to argue it is not good for a person to be alone, Michelson quotes the words of Jesus himself. Listen to this. 
himself quoting Leviticus 19.18, calling us to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay, so if you love your neighbor and you love yourself as you love yourself, then you're going to be easy on them. Don't be mean to them. Don't call out their sin. Don't don't say this is not acceptable. Just let them be. Live and let live. This is what this is again how they got this 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 movement in the church. They get people from universities, from Harvard, from from. Um, from Boston University, all these great places uh, to study the academia, and they write books, and they begin to push out garbage. This is garbage. Watch what happens. Listen, this is this is good to know. This is how they get into the church. So in case you're confused, or in case you need to know, or in case you want to follow up, here is here is how they do it. Okay, because what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, you're supposed to love your neighbor. Your neighbors can do anything they want to do, and but you're not going to say anything because you got to love yourself. Okay, you got to love yourself. Watch what he says here. By using this argument, his argument on Jesus' teaching, Michelson writes. Michelson writes. One New Testament scholar has written that. Any interpretation of scripture that hurts people, oppresses people, or destroys people cannot be the right interpretation. No matter how traditional uh, um, his, his top uh, torical or exegetical uh, perspectives. Okay? This is a crucial point. If we approach the question of homosexuality as a legal, academic, or hermeneutical enterprise, we will get nowhere religiously in other words how they feel is more important than what is right so i don't care if you translate the bible correctly if you read the bible correctly if you follow what the bible says if it looks cruel and feels cruel to them that are practicing homosexuality and they're practicing the gay lifestyle then guess what the gay lifestyle trumps over the scripture, then your Bible interpretation is wrong. Hence, that is why the world calls you and me bigots and mean, and you're homophobic, and, and you're, you're rigid, and, and you're too narrow-minded. And yet, this is why. Because when you interpret the scriptures, which are exclusive, okay, they want an inclusive, and they want an equal playing field for all other pagan gods. Okay? That's not the gospel. Okay, that's that's the mercy alone teaching. Okay, the Catholic Church has adapted it. Okay, the mercy alone. That's the abortion mindset. That's the the gay and, and um, sexual perversion mindset. Mercy alone. Okay, no moral standards. No exclusivity. Okay, so we have to understand that this is where they're coming from. They twist scriptures, they push scripture to positions that it doesn't belong. So you can interpret it correctly. And they will say, because it doesn't make the culture feel good, then guess what? It's wrong and you're wrong. No exclusivity. Jesus is not exclusive. He's like every other God. Okay, we, we can believe Jesus is the way um, that every other God is. We Just like we believe in Buddha, like we believe in the Dodgers and the Yankees, and we believe in you know your sports team, you can believe in Jesus. But don't make Jesus exclusive that he's Lord of all. Okay, Because when you say Jesus is Lord of all, that makes a problem for the culture because what you're telling the culture is Jesus is your Lord also, and you better obey him. Why? Because 
there is exclusivity of Jesus Christ. And when you preach um, exclusivity, and we're going to look at some exclusive, uh, exclusive scriptures that support this, um, when you preach this, what you are saying is Christ's identity is unique in himself. In other words, how he came into the flesh, how, how God became flesh, the incarnation was unique to himself. His sacrifice was unique to himself. The death of the cross was unique to himself. Nobody could have done what he did because he was so unique. The power of God, the astonishment of miracles, the things that he did as, as the Son of God here on this earth is unique to Jesus himself. Okay, how he walked on water, unique to himself. How you know all the miracles and things, the supernatural he did, but most important, his virgin birth, the prophetic words over his life, six, seven hundred years. You know, actually in Genesis um, chapter three, where God introduces the plan that the seed of the woman would pierce his, will will um, will bruise his head. That that's a, that's exactly the what we would call the exclusivity. Jesus was being introduced. It was all unique to who Jesus is. So the virgin birth is unique to Jesus. Okay, Everything is unique to Him. Why? Because He's exclusive. There was no one like Him. If there's someone like Him, then, then guess what? There, there is an equal, and there's no equal to Him. He's exclusively Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Number two, that the work that He accomplished on the cross is sufficient. He did enough work on the cross that it is sufficient. You don't need anything else from anyone else to be sufficient. Okay? The multi-faith culture is is the main attack against this against the church today. Okay, the multi-faith. What does that mean? That means that all gods are equal. They try to bring Jesus down to the inclusive portion where every other religion is like our our Christianity or our beloved faith in Jesus Christ. No, that's not true. The gospel is true always. Listen, this is the message of exclusivity. The gospel is true always and everywhere, or it's not the gospel at all, nor is it true at all. So Jesus rising from the dead, Jesus accomplishing the work of God is exclusive. It's exclusive to God alone. God becoming man, redeeming man for himself. And so F.F. F. Bruce, the great um, historian, scholar, he writes this, of all the provinces, we're going to talk about Rome now, okay? I'm going to talk about Rome. Of all the provinces of Rome, of the Roman Empire, there was none in which the emperor, emperor worship was more thoroughly organized than in Asia. Christians were commanded to profess the divinity of the emperor and to offer sacrifices to him. This, of course, would not be practiced, that, and this brought death to the early church and the believers. What is this? This is the paganism that breeds pluralism, okay? Um, and in these multiple gods, okay? What would happen in the Roman, in the Roman, um, in the days of Rome and in the, in the days of the early church was that you can have Jesus. They didn't have a problem with you, with you uh, having Jesus and the temple as long as you sacrificed to what we would call Caesar. As long as you said uh, Caesar is curios, okay, or Kaiser is curios. That's Greek for Caesar is Kaiser. Kaiser is curios. Okay, you can serve God, you can serve Jesus, and you, but you had to make sure that you included Caesar 
in it, okay? And you know that that's what caused problems in the culture. They didn't have a problem. The Romans didn't have a problem with you, uh, uh, you know, worshiping Jesus. They didn't have a problem with you. I mean, they had so many gods in, in at that time. You know, it was a, I mean, it was a pluralistic, paganist society. So when Jesus was there, they just threw Jesus on top of everything else. But as long as you paid homage and as long as you sacrificed to Kaiser or Caesar, guess what? you can worship your other, you're free to go. In other words, there was a compromise. There was a compromise. And, and Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God into salvation, you know, for the Jew to the Greek, right? What was Paul doing? Paul says, no, 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 no. There's no other, there's no other Jesus, no other gods. There's only Jesus of Nazareth. That's it. That's it. This brought this brought great persecution to the to the church of Rome when they would not sacrifice and they would not give a portion of, of their ideology to the idol worship of Cairo, um, Curios um, Kaiser. They wouldn't say that. They would not. They would not acknowledge um, Caesar at all. They would not acknowledge the fact that Caesar was God or a God. No, no. They would, they would not do that. And so this brought great persecution. Why is this important? Because in our culture, look at what we've done. The culture says, you know, if you don't love, if you don't love, if you don't love these type of people that are practicing these type of sins, if you don't allow this, if you don't allow this, what, what are they asking us to do? They're asking us to burn incense to who? Kaiser, Caesar. That's who they, that's what this is doing. Tell, let the culture tell us what to do. Let the culture tell us what to believe. Let the culture tell us what to do. These culture is God, just like Jesus is. If you want to believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus. But you have to admit that the culture is good too. You have to admit that we are inclusive, that we are equal, that this equality of faith. No, no. There is there is exclusivity in the gospel. Okay? There's exclusivity. There are standards. There is, there is the ability for only one to exist in order for it to be true. The objective truth that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Okay? So if you want to know how this, how this um, homosexual, homosexuality get, got into the church and how you know, the LGBTQ community is infiltrating the church, it's in the Catholic church, it's in the, it's in the Methodist, it's in the Lutheran, it's in the, listen, it's everywhere. The Pentecostals have fought this off. The Pentecostal church okay, have fought this off. Okay, the Assemblies of God, there are many that are holding, holding true to the, to the tenets of faith in these Pentecostal movements, but when you start looking at the Baptists, if you start looking at the Lutheran, the Methodists, you start looking at all these other, guess what? They've caved into the culture. They've allowed the culture, they've allowed, they, they've given Caesar what belongs to God. They sacrificed to Caesar here so that they can do their thing. Okay? Again, this is absolutely unacceptable because the gospel is exclusive. Watch this, John 3, uh, 13 through 21, okay? Now this is uh, this is important because none of, many Christians don't even know this. Okay, but for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And again, there, there. Remember what uh, 
uh, Carl Lenz says, well, you know, it's, it's, it's God loving everybody. It's God, listen, it's not a matter of God loving everybody. It's, it's, it's a matter of everybody loving God and everybody coming into a moral life because of the love of God. Because the love of God transforms your life. Watch this. For, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That the world through who? Through Him might be saved. Watch this. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Boom. Exclusive. Faith is exclusive. Believing is exclusive. It's not inclusive. You can't do it if you want. Do it. You know, God will accept you any old way. God will accept. No, no. He demands you accept Christ and the, what? The standards of coming to Christ. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and the men love darkness rather than light because the deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. Whoa. Wait a minute. There's a difference. What's the exclusivity? Light excludes darkness. That's exclusivity. So you can't have dark ways and come into the light. It doesn't work that way. Lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light. That his deeds may be clearly seen. That they may have been done in God. So here you have exclusivity for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is important for you to understand because if you stop there you miss the exclusivity of believing. Belief and faith are what? Exclusive elements of the kingdom of God. John 7 37 through 44. Watch this. This is on, this is on the feast. Okay. Of, 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 the, of the water. On the last day, the uh, last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come after me and drink. Let him come after me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow, will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit has not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Again, more exclusivity. Come drink from me. The scriptures will flow rivers of living water of those that believe in me. Watch this. Who is he? That's what the crowd says. Who is he? Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard the saying, said, truly, this is a prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. Okay. But some said, will, will, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scriptures... Um, has not the scripture said that Christ comes indeed from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid a hand on him. Notice they wanted to get after him. What? Exclusivity. They get, the gospel is exclusive. Jesus was exclusive. He wasn't playing games with people. He says, believe in me, you're going to have these benefits. The Spirit of God is going to come upon you. He's going to flow out of you. This is important for you to understand. Exclusivity. Okay? There's no equality here. There's one qualifying standard. Okay? Acts chapter 8, uh, Acts chapter 2, 8 through 13. This is Peter. Okay? This is Peter. This is, uh, this is uh, one of... Um, 
I got one more reading after this, and I hope you're enjoying this, because I sure am. Acts chapter 2, 8 through 13. Watch this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers, rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed that done to this helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, who God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, okay, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other name, okay, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved. Now watch this, watch this, where's the exclusivity? There is by no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. What is that name? Again, there's this, this many ways to God. Many Listen, it's exclusive. It's an exclusive message. Okay? And don't remember, remember what, uh, what the great theologian Joel Osteen just said. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's no categories of sin. There's no categories of sin. Right? There's none. Okay, keep that in mind. Now watch this. Now when, uh, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, they marveled and they realized that, that they had been with Jesus. The exclusive information, the exclusive language, okay, that only comes from being with Jesus. The whole gospel is exclusive. You know, when you, when you relate to the world way too much, you lose your exclusivity because you try to continue to rule the culture by becoming more like the culture. That is a deadly poison, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, this is Paul, okay? Now, don't forget, he's the one that says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to get to that, and I'll wrap that up because I'll bring that to the beginning for you. 1 Corinthians 6, 8 through 11. No, listen, this is Paul. No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. Okay, here comes a list of categories, guys, a list of categories. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexualities, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covet, nor covets covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch this. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. What is he saying here? Okay, here is a list. And remember, Joel Osteen says, well, I don't believe that there's any category. Well, obviously he didn't read, he, he doesn't read Paul's writings. Okay, obviously don't read, didn't read First uh, Corinthians chapter six. Okay, obviously Mr. Uh, Mr. Lentz forgets about these doctrines that are wrapped up in love because God loves us. He commands us because the commandment keeps us from problems, keeps us out of situations, keeps us from harm, keeps us healthy, keeps us strong. That's the love of God. Now let's look again at this exclusivity. Hey, I'm closing right here, and I hope you're enjoying this. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed. This word ashamed 
Epi means outside. Ep Episkinomai. That's the word for ashamed. Episkinomai. Okay? Episkinomai. The word epi means environment, the things on the outside. Skinomai means to be ashamed of or to be informed or to be deformed. So what Paul is writing, this word ashamed actually says that when you are in the environment, when you are on the outside proclaiming the gospel, you are showing them that you are in a different form. You are deformed from the world. That's what this word episkinomai means. It means to be deformed from the world. The world is in one form, okay, excluded from you. Why? There's two different forms. There's the form of the culture, the form of the world, and there is the form and being formed into Christ. When you are being formed in the image of God, you are deformed from the world. It's exclusive. And if they want to become formed by Christ, they must accept Jesus Christ as the personal Savior. They must repent of their sins. They must be washed in the blood of the Lamb. They, they have to go through all the standards and the rules. Again, they hate that. They hate rules. They hate to be told what to do. But yes, there are standards. There are standards. That's what makes it exclusive. It's exclusivity of Jesus. There's no such thing as Jesus light or Christianity light where you can where you can do it any way you want. Again, it's a disservice to the Bible to not read it and believe it. Okay? It's a disservice to the Bible. It's a disservice to the exclusivity. It's what must I do to be saved? That's the great question. What must I do to fulfill the will of God? What must I do? Not do I want to do the will of God? Do I, do, how does it feel to me? Again, we've done the church a great disservice when, when we, we start, try to teach the, the, the scriptures and we wanted to make it more friendly to people. We start saying, well, what does that scripture mean to you? It doesn't matter what it means to them. It matters what God says to them. The power of words, the power of the message. So let's grab a hold once again of the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. See, because that's what that was the strength of the early church. When, when Caesar was asking for the church to bend their knee, they refused to bend their knee. There was persecution. They would die. They would kill him because of their exclusive message that Jesus Christ was Lord. And you know what? My concern is the fact that this Marxist movement in our churches that has come in, the social gospels, the social warriors, have so sidetracked the message that we're no longer exclusive. We're inclusive. We include their agendas. We include their ideas. We include what, they, what they're pushing. We include these things. And you saw it on the opening statement. While there's many ways to God, Jesus is just a, 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 you know, a stop sign. Oh, he's just a neon light. No, no, no. Jesus is God. I and the Father are one. I mean, this is, you can go, I can just go all day long on this. But it's the misinformation where they try to live by the, by the message of mercy. That there's no moral law. That there's no, there's no what we would call ceremonial or moral law throughout the Gospels anymore. Because it's all mercy. There's no limits. 
You can do whatever you want because God's God's a God of mercy. You can live anywhere you want because God's a God of mercy. God would not want to make you feel bad. God forbid God makes you feel bad. God forbid God will make you, God, God will tell you no when everybody else tells you yes. God forbid. This is the importance of the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Like we say in Spanish, sin igual, there's no one like him. There's no one like him. And because there's no one like him, he alone is God. That's why he says, that's why they, that's why Revelation says he's king of kings and Lord of lords. See, you will have no problems until you start saying Jesus is Lord of all. That means he's Lord of the culture and they better repent and they better, um, they better turn their hearts over to God or there will be consequences. The exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Embrace it. Wrap your minds and your hearts around it today. There's no one like Jesus. There's no one like our message. There's no one. There's no one like the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yesu Kurios. Jesus is Lord. Exclusivity. Embrace it. Don't be afraid of the backlash. Stand to be counted. The, the Church of Rome did it in Paul's day. We must do it again today. The standards of heaven. We will not give any sacrifices to Kaiser Curios. We will only give it to Yesu Curios. Jesus is Lord and he's our Lord. God bless you. I pray you enjoyed this and I'll talk to you again tomorrow on Prophetic Whispers. God bless you and goodbye. Thank you.